I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to worship at the altar of music and comedy. The giddiness and the harmony of a well-crafted comedy song brings great joy and abundance. Join the tinkling talents of David Thames and me, Phil Nickel. Sit back, turn it up, and enjoy Songs in the Key of Laugh. Yes, we're halfway through the series three. This is episode five. I'm Phil Nickel. And I'm David Tim. And this is Songs of the Key of Laugh, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Last week's episode uh, with our interview with Flatten the Curves. What a doozy. Those gals can sing. <laughs> they really, really can. You're allowed can. to say that anymore? Those gals. Them gals can sing. I, I was surprised that you went back to using the word doozy. Doozy. Had, <laughs> it's a real doozy. <laughs> Them brides can real know how to bark a tune. No, I don't know. We, we can't say bark, this. Bark a tune. <laughs> Or you can say broad. Can't say bark a tune. Uh, you, it's, and anyway, they, they weren't barking. That sounds horrible. Uh, they were singing. And, uh, and what a great episode. But listen, my headphones have fallen off. But coming up in this week's episode, we're going to be discussing a huge topic. It's it's mammoth. It's massive. I don't know if we can do it all in one. I episode. think it's I think it's like a, a it's, it might be a trilogy. This so one, let's but. call so let's call this part one of our songs key of laugh as we discuss uh, songs that are in cartoons. Oh, there's so many. At, yeah, so Family many. Guy, Rick and Morty, The Simpsons, Flintstones, etc. It goes on and on. I mean, there are so many songs. Um, we've also got our comedy song contest. Got some great uh, submissions this week. Still a competition. Yeah. Yep. Uh, we're also going to be writing our nativity. And we've got a, a guest that I was unreasonably excited to meet. Oh, it's exciting. It His is name is Tim Vine. Vine. Some of them are very short. So, you, I, I, I mean, I do one where I'm, I'm going, uh, the music sort of starts, and I, I sort of dance around like an idiot for a little while. And then I say, and I sing, uh, half past seven, quarter to three, ten to eleven. Good times. <laughs> so Tim Vine will be our guest later on in the show, and what a great interview that was! The he's man. just an incredible. He's, what an incredible comedian! He's a, he's a great a, guy. He's hysterical. We had laughed all the way through. I know you guys are going to enjoy that, so stick around for that. But today, David and I are talking about, uh, and it's a massive subject. It's not. It can't even be one episode. But today we're going to talk about cartoon themes and ca- songs in cartoons. Yeah. When we had our initial discussion about this, I think we both went, "Oh well, I want to play this song," and then, "Oh yeah, but I want to play this." So we ended up with about twenty different songs that we wanted to Absolutely. play. There's so we... South Park songs. There's exactly. Family Guy yeah. songs. There's Rick and Morty. There's The Simpsons, and you know SpongeBob, and there's just all these. <laughs> And the great writers that are writing these things, you know, Ryan Elder and, and Walter Murphy's in his orchestra. We're going to talk about all that stuff. Uh, but my favorite, going back, I think it started, my love started with the Flintstones. Of course. With the Hanna-Barbera cartoons, the Jetsons and um, all those, you know, Yogi Bear and all that stuff. But the Flintstones had amazing music in it. But the, 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 theme, the theme tune on it. So, what is it? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Flintstones. Flintstones. Meet the Flintstones. They're a modern Stone Age family. 
rock. They're a place right out of history. It's just, and, and what I love about these themes that makes you want to, when you hear them, it's immediately cheerful. Want You want to see it. Like, I want to watch the Flintstones. Absolutely. Same with the Simpsons. The Simpsons. You know. Do, 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 do. Yeah. And, or the Rick and Morty theme is kind of like that sort of Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah, These songs draw you in. They those, get you very themes. excited for what's about to come. Yeah. The yeah. Spider-Man theme. Spider-Man. All these all these things. The, but they're really well-crafted songs. They're they are. so beautifully written and orchestrated. The the Flintstones one, for example, um, that I used to go to a, a jazz club in uh, in Crouch End, the, the King's Head, is, right. and it was really, really, really good level of jazz on a Sunday. And um, it's still there, still going on if you ever fancy it. But they used to play the Flintstones theme tune almost every week. But it's that good, it's that well-written that it even sits well in a jazz club. I imagine it's been covered by many, many people. So many, Absolutely. Jacob Collier does a cover of it. So yeah. it's that good a theme tune. I know. That was the Melbourne Ska Orchestra, by the so way. So good. That, so that good. Just, just, I mean, it's, but it's not just the themes of these shows, which are gripping. There's also all the songs inside it. So even the Flintstones, the ones I can think off the top of my head, uh, a burger on a bun. Here we come on the run with the burger on the bun or the, the bedrock twitch. just takes me back to being a kid again like all these great songs in the shows and like you know it goes without saying south park has trey parker and oh matt stone write some of the you know like uh chocolate salty balls you know the, the so chef's some, chocolate salty uh, balls know, put them in your mouth and suck them yeah yeah <laughs> i mean there's so i'm trying to think of them all there's so many love gravy and uh, it just goes on and on and also they've written you know broadway musicals um but they've got that one South Park, the, the, I think one of the ones that stuck out for me, and it's like a parody of a West End musical, which is, I, I think, probably what led them towards writing is they wrote uh, a song called Safe Space. Do you, do you know Safe yeah, Space? Yeah, 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 yeah. just so clever yeah. just so clever yeah and it's it's actually what it is is it satirizes this you know modern uh, west end or modern broadway musical and it just does it so well it's it's as good as and i think this is important we've talked about this before when you're doing musical satire the music has to be as good as the stuff that you're that you're taking you're the piss out of. like like the of course like the the, the walter murphy or orchestra and 
you know, you know the guy for that does the uh, all the stuff. He for, for American Fam- Dad. Uh, yeah, and Family Guy. Yeah, is yeah, American, yeah. Is it American uh, Dad? Uh, the family Guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, well, he does it, a lot of stuff for Seth MacFarlane. Yeah, because um, they they do everything live. Still, it's like going back, you know, to beginning of beginning of the cent- last century because they still have like a 35 piece orchestra and right. they record every episode live right which is which is absolutely crazy did have i ever spoken to you about the um uh, the guy who kind of started all of that stuff off no uh, his name's carl stalling okay right and he um he started working with walt disney right and so this is what 1920s odd um and he uh, he was one of the first people to um to score things and the, the speed of which he scored things was amazing for these full orchestras for these cartoons and in 1936 he went to work for warner bros right and his job so he did like the looney tunes theme uh, the merry melodies theme and his job every single week was to compose for a 55 piece orchestra so he had to write the parts, had to get every single part copied because obviously they didn't have uh, they didn't have computers and things then. Yeah. So every single every single one of those parts would have to be written. And the level of the music was off the scale. These musicians would come in and they would they would never have played stuff that was this difficult because it changed style constantly. If you think about how many times, you know, a, a cartoon character gets hit on the head or something yes. and the music just suddenly completely and utterly changes, yes. that was all done completely and utterly live. Yeah. And the the amazing thing about it is that they would score it and then they would write and and, and then the animators would draw to the score. And in doing this, because it was it was like um, they had to sync it with the amount of frames per uh, per beat. Yeah. What that meant was that they were the first people to start using it effectively as a click, like a, a metronome click, right. as you would record now in a studio to make sure that everything lines up. Oh, yeah, right. But that that's how they first um, started doing it was because of these orchestras and wanting to sync all of these amazing orchestrations to the pictures of the cartoons. And from that, we end up with something like Down Syndrome Girl. That shows that you're a classy fellow with the posh panache of Jefferson and Monticello busting out a mile with style. I know you just can't wait to stare at all that luscious orange hair, but boy, before you touch a single curl, you must impress that ultra-booming, all-consuming, poorly grooming Down Syndrome girl. So, yeah, that was Walter Murphy and his orchestra. Uh, <laughs> and, and so... I mean, it, it's an unreasonably offensive concept, that song. But what Family Guy does is because they wrap it around with the phenomenal orchestration, they, I mean, they, they get away with just about anything, don't they? Well, I think that's true for all the things we're talking about. These Because musical comedy is naughty and, and there's a lot of uh, strange and dark subjects in it. You know, even like in things like The Simpsons and Rick and Morty. Um, and, and it's because of the the talent behind the music and the songwriting and the, and the arrangements that you're getting, you know, sort of comic celebrity comedians want to be a part of it. Like, you know, Ricky Gervais is now writing songs to The Simpsons. Is he? Yeah, there's one called Lady Riff, I think, which is one of the first way. Just oh, like I have to have a Ricky look at Gervais. them. Yeah, or or in, in um, Rick and Morty, there's that song, I think it's called Goodbye Moon Man. So, so Dan Harmon has a writer, a guy called Ryan Elder, who writes... He's like a phenomenal music writer. Yeah. Writes these brilliant, I guess he writes these brilliant um, 
you know, melodies and Dan Harmon puts the lyrics on and there's one called Goodbye Moon Man but it's sung by one of the Flood of the Concords, Jermaine Clements. But we oh. made sure they see the sun Goodbye Moon Man is a goodbye Moon Man Oh, I mean, it would be such an honor to be involved in any of those shows. I mean, that's, I guess it would be like a career high to oh, be asked to sing a Rick and Morty yeah, song. That, that would be phenomenal. I sometimes think cartoons last longer than uh, live action sitcoms and stuff because they are, they, they go, you know, through time. This, this Flintstone seems as fresh today as, and it, but not all the shows that were made at the same time do not. You're so, that's so true, actually. And I, and I don't know if it's because it's the animation. But the Flintstones, I remember one of my favorite Flintstones songs was, um, was it's a really simple one, so a happy anniversary. Because what happens is um, Fred wants to impress Wilma and Barney and the boys sing this song. And it, it, it's, it's, I think it's based on the William Tell overture. Because like it's, happy anniversary, 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 happy, 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 happy anniversary, happy, 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 happy. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. And it just keeps going. Then every time you think it stops, and then she goes somewhere else, they come out of a piano. They're all sitting around a piano. It sounds good on the piano. Play on the piano. Yeah, yeah it's in C. Go. There we go. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Happy, 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 happy anniversary. Happy, 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 happy anniversary. And it's like a four-part harmony, like a barbershop quartet. It's got yeah. the cop singing. And it's so funny. It just keeps going. And it's ridiculous. And it's also a real fun song to sing to your partner on their anniversary. There you go. So I've picked a song that um, actually, again, it's based on something else. Um, but I've picked, picked one from The Simpsons. Yeah. And this is the song that Mr. Burns sings. Um, and it's based on uh, based on Be My Guest. Um, it goes... Uh, so, what, so what's happened in the episode? So we have to give context for this, don't we? Um, so in this episode, um, uh, Mr. Burns had, uh, has found out that the Simpsons uh, dogs are having puppies. And he's decided that he's basically being Cruella de Vil and he's going to take all of the puppies and he's going to make clothes out of them. <laughs> so he's a knobhead. Some men hunt for sport, others hunt for food. The only thing I'm hunting for is an outfit that looks good. See my 
vest, see my vest, made from real gorilla chest. Feel this sweater, it's much better than authentic Irish setter. See this hat, it was my cat, my evening wear, a vampire bat. These white slippers are albino, African, endangered rhino, grizzly bear, underwear, turtlenecks. I've had my share, beret of poodle, on my noodle, it shall rest. Try my red robin suit, it comes in one breast or two. See my vest, see my vest, see my like my loafers former golfers it was that or skin my chauffeurs but a greyhound for tuxedo would be best so let's prepare these dogs kill for matching clogs see my vest see my vest see my vest please won't you see my vest <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> Mr. Burns, what a creep. What a knob. <laughs> <laughs> funny, though. Comedy song contest time. Competition. Comedy song contest time. It's a competition. Um, it's been a fun episode so far talking about cartoon stuff, but um, the comedy song contest, we've had so many great uh, entries. Uh, it's hard to choose. It is. We we do end up every week. We we go through several of them. And we're like, oh, we use this one. Oh, this yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but keep sending them in. Keep sending your submissions in. Um, send them to songs the key of laugh at gmail dot com, and check out the um, details on songs the key of laugh dot com. It gives you all the details. This one this week we've chosen a guy. I think he's Scottish. Do you? Uh, I think he is. Okay. For some reason, I think he's Scottish. I don't know why. Okay. If he's not. He can tell us that he's not. But this is Tommy Mackay and his song, Anthea Turner's Cock. When I was young, I looked upon Blue Peter with bright eyes. But one day an incident left me traumatized. Anthea Turner was presenting an item on Keep Fit. She wore a tight track suit, I couldn't keep my eyes off it. What's that that I see down there in the gusset area? Is that a tampon or a roll-up sock? No, it's Anthea Turner's cock. To God, that's what I saw A lump I just could not ignore I guess she has an ovary She's married to an ovary Unless she is a beard as well It's really hard these days to tell Is that a tampon or a rolled-up sock? No, it's Anthea Turner's cock Is that a tampon or a rolled-up sock? No, it's Anthea Turner's cock
The Nativity, Part 5. So if you've been listening to the podcast, you'll know that David and I are doing an improv dictionary musical. Well, it was a dictionary musical. We don't have a dictionary, so we're using Dave's piano tuning book. Piano tuning book, yes. Uh, We flicker through the book, we put our finger on the word, and we sing a song. The theme of this uh, series... Is the nativity, is the nativity, which we'll be releasing. So with the flesh, we do we improv the songs and then we flesh them out, put them together, and we end the series with a beautiful big um, musical. Yeah, yeah. So this this will drop. You never you never know. It might drop Christmas Eve even. Um, and yeah. So th- this week, um, we've just been tra- uh, we've just left Mary and Joseph traveling to Bethlehem. They're on the way to Bethlehem. They're on a mule. Yeah. Mary, so Mary's not amused. She's not. She's not amused. But she's pregnant and pregnant. Women can be. We are not crank. going there. We are not going there. Uh, <laughs> so um, they are. Well, it's got to be the no room at the inn thing, hasn't it? So there's, there's, there's. That's what's happening at the moment. No room at the inn. Yeah. So they're going, going to door to door, trying to find a bloody, bloody okay. place to stay. So we need, we need a word, okay, Phil. Well, we need a word. Well, okay. Well, I need, I need the book. All right, hold on. No, it's yeah, there behind yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, there, you there you go. go. Uh, I'm gonna do that. Flick through. Oh, good flicking. Open it up. He's so good at flicking. Put my finger on the thing, and the word is certainly. Certainly. Right then. Certainly. So there's no room at the end. Yeah, certainly. I think, okay. Oh, yes. Well, the walls. Hello? Hello? Hello, hi. Hello, is there anyone there? Uh, just hold on a minute. Bertha, I hope these aren't friends of yours. Hello? Yeah, we were wondering, uh, my wife and I were, uh, we're wondering if there was any room because she's about to have a child and I thought maybe we could. Yes, wait. Uh, let me check. Hey, Bertha! Get over here! <laughs> what, what, what do you guys want? I don't know, Bertha. Bertha, why is your voice deeper than mine? Uh, 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 you looking for a room? There's no room at the end. I'm sorry you'll have to come again. I don't think I can fit you all in. There's no room at the end. What do you mean? I said there's no room at the end. <laughs> don't want you to have me start again if you don't hear it from me listen to him tell him there's no room at the end well certainly we could stay somewhere else and certainly i could live put my baby on a shelf <laughs> the baby's not being born yet and i don't know if i have to fret please don't turn us away there's no room at the end. There's no room. There's no room at the end. What do you want us to say? There's no room. You got nothing here. You can't stay. Well, well how, how about how about we put them in the barn, Bertha? In the barn? What are you? What are you? In the manger? Yeah. Well, I'm the manager of the manger. <laughs> I've lost track of which character I'm playing. <laughs> I'm Bertha, the one with the deeper voice. Your wife thought that was funny when I did it. Now I'm not so sure. 
Well, certainly, we could stay in, in the manger. Would that be okay with you, Mary? Oh, my God. I can't believe this is so hard. I just want to give birth in somewhere comfortable. Maybe in the end. There's no room at the end. you <laughs> I don't know, two shekels <laughs> needs work needs work do you write comedy songs if you do then send them in to us and be part of our comedy song competition there's a 200 pound prize if you win and 50 pounds for a runners-up prize so please send them in to songs in the key of love at gmail.com and take part in our competition today's guest is a phenomenon phenomenal phenomenon he's a he'd like that phenomenon he's a milky whale he's a milky whale I don't know why I said that. I just, that's what came out. He's, he's the milkiest whale in Whaleville. He's the wonderful Tim, Tim Vine. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The guest on today's show guest. is someone you might know. Oh, yeah. And if you don't, that's your own fault. But you'll know them soon. Tim Vine. It's Tim Vine, everybody. Oh! He's here on Songs oh, of the Key of Laugh. Now, people know you, Tim, as an actor, a writer, a presenter. Uh, well, you're a hit sitcom. Comedian, not, really, hopefully. Not going just out. A but, well, just a comedian. <laughs> yeah. Well, I because that, that list that you just read, that I always, I always feel, I mean, I, I always worry that it looks like I said to you, can you read that list of descriptions uh, <laughs> uh, before you bring me up? Because I prefer just comedian. That must be a Wikipedia thing or something. Uh, would, you, would, you, would, you, would you? Would you? Would you? Would you? Just what would you have listed if you wanted? If you were writing your own list, comedian, comedian, Elvis impersonator. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, a bit of that, yeah. But I mean, uh, if you wanted to 
you want to just sum it up as uh, as comedian, as comedian really, you're a comedian, yeah. and you're a and you're a great comedian, uh, one of the finest. Well, bless you for that. The finest. That, I did exactly. ask you to say <laughs> exactly. <laughs> did I get it right? I did. I did I get it right? No, you're you're well. You're known. Uh, I mean, mainly known as or as far as I know for your puns, for your uh, laughs per minute, um, for your stage persona, um, your dress sense, and um, <laughs> uh, but, but 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 we but I as I've been watching your as knowing all the, your body work i also recognize that you write great songs and i, I don't just i'm not just being well, I'm, not, I'm not just blowing smoke they are great comedy songs in the sense that they they do the job like um squeaky shoes it does a job for you but the song itself mm. the song itself the song itself is great they're really oh thanks well, well I mean, you must find this right writing uh, comedy songs that, yeah i mean it's like gold dust if you can get one that works because a lot of the time i I think of it a song. I think myself, this just feels like a funny thing. When you do it in front of an audience, it's just not quite enough. It feels like a quirky song that if you played it to friends, they find it enjoyable. But in the context of a comedy show, yeah, it's sort of you know you do need some actual laugh points, don't you? You do, you do. I mean, <laughs> I, there's a, there's a fair number of songs I've written and recorded that that work. Well, they work as comedy songs because there's a type of comedy songs more of on the novelty side of it that aren't mm. really funny that don't that won't work in a stand up comedy context. But that's they're, right. But they're yeah, a funny idea. I wrote, yeah, yeah, a, I wrote a, a quirky songs. Quirky yeah. songs, yeah. Like I wrote yeah. a song. I wrote a song once for a friend uh, who was always threatened to commit suicide, and I thought he just wasn't doing it. And I thought I've read. I'll write him a song that's so <laughs> that's that's so bleak that if he ever if he ever heard it, he might. That was the premise. Um, it right. it never really worked in a comedy. Has club he been con- in touch with you? <laughs> Actually, no. He's, he's, he's gone really quiet. <laughs> no. Um, so so I want to so because this is the podcast is about comedy songs in general. Mm. Um, yes. We can talk a little bit about your your career, just so to for anyone that might be hearing of you for the first time, because we have many overseas <laughs> listeners. And uh, uh, but you you've come from a stand up background, uh, yeah. you, and you 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 worked early on, like in the nineties, at the comedy calf and the comedy clubs, honing uh, a stand up com- comedy act. When when did mm. songs become a part of your acts? Did you always? Have- well, do you know what? I think it was. Uh, I think when when I, was, when I started on the circuit and I was doing. You know that obviously that twenty minutes sort of aiming to get some getting up to twenty minutes, and then yeah. suddenly you've got if you get twenty minutes that work, suddenly that you can get all this work in all these clubs. And in the nineties, it's such a a healthy scene in in London particularly. But it was going beyond that twenty where I felt like I needed to just do something a bit more than literally just stand there doing one liners because people get you know exhausted. They, they get a bit tired after about three minutes, to be honest. You've got to, you've got to try and vary it. But so it's about um, um, just varying it a bit. And so I, I think I brought in a few songs when I started doing a few sort of half hour, 40 things. And maybe I put a bit. And certainly then when I first went to Edinburgh and did an hour, I, it was kind of a, a show with lots of musical bits and bobs and mm-hmm. jokes and props and everything. And so I've kind of ended up there really when i do when i tour i have i do one-liners but i do little songs hmm. have a table of props and mess about with stuff so it's a kind of mix of everything you've got to keep moving haven't you? before they get bored in one area move to the next area your 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 songs are uh, the majority of them are very very short like you just said so it's very much like your yeah, like I mean, your comedy yeah, i know what you mean Sorry, go on. What are you going to say? It's, about it's that? very much like your comedy in that it's it's uh, you know short one-liners or or your prop mm. comedy, but you use you use the songs in that exact same way, and you get your punchline. You might 
hit your punchline a couple more times and then you move on and you're on to something else or you do another musical bit again it's 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 so quick yeah well interestingly i mean when you say short i mean some of them are very short so you, I, I, I mean i do one where i'm i'm going uh the music sort of starts and i, I sort of dance around like an idiot for a little while and then i say and i sing uh Half past seven, quarter to three, ten to eleven. Good times. And that used to get that used to get a great great laugh at that point. But actually, I wrote a whole song up. The next thing, the next verse went something like. Um, I was thinking about supplements, like a Sunday Times, and then I had various. I can't remember what the third one was, but but it sort of was. It, it sort of it, it kind of never got as funny as that first laugh there. Yeah. So that, so that, what was a two minute song of me singing called Good Times all got shelved, and I just went did that first bit. Good times, yeah. finish, move on to the next thing. So <laughs> but I mean, I'd rather have ones that last. Well, I'd be interested to hear what, what you think, Phil, about what is the the optimum length for a comedy song. It shouldn't be much more than a minute and 15 seconds, or should it? Really? Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> well, well, usually the Juice Pigs had an idea that we do, we wrote comedy songs as as they were written when we were starting, were verse, chorus, verse, chorus, like a normal structure of a song. We thought, no, yeah. once you've done the premise and you've done yeah. the, the first verse and the chorus, you've done the premise, the joke's over, and then it's just trying to find, unless you can... Some re- other way of getting... Yeah, yeah some other, some other clever way. Bur- yeah, yeah, exactly. Or yeah, or bend it to the end, or what the juice pigs yeah. would do impressions. Or, you know, so you add another level yeah, 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 of, yeah, of yeah, funny yeah. to the end of it. But yeah, none of our songs. Most of our songs were a minute long, uh, two min- mm. two minutes at the most, uh, yeah. and then. But even that, I mean, a minute is. I, I, you know, if I come up with a comedy song and it's a minute and it justifies its place, I'm thrilled with that. You know, a minute's yeah. a long time, isn't it? I yeah. Mean, you know. Well, the ladder song. Must, it, the ladder song must be a minute. Yeah. Well, that's like, probably a bit longer than a minute. Yeah. Interestingly, that's that's sort of um, yeah. I mean, it's it's not desperately funny that. I mean, it's sort of funny, but it's my fun- mum loves that song. It's my funny what you do oh, with oh, it. Oh, that's my favourite one of yours, darling. I love that. It's, oh, it's, 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 it's one of it's one of my favourites as well. because it's, um, it, it's, it's so daft in a way that it's not. There's no obvious punchline in it, other than it's just you. Other than you. Other than the the bit about having a um, la, uh, tights and the ladder at the very beginning. The rest of the song is just you going up and down a ladder, which is just so surreal. Well, it's nice to do something physical uh, uh, during it. Yeah, that yeah. Is the, that's probably the nice thing about doing it is that yeah. I walk up and down a ladder once. Yeah, for but... those of you who have no idea what the song is, it's not helping at all. I basically say, um, I've, yeah, everybody, everybody has wishes. I might be that on there. Yeah. Oh, I can't remember the chorus, <laughs> but it's uh, everybody has wishes. Everybody has hopes. Some are small like dishes. Some are big like boats. All I ever wanted since the day I was born is to have my own ladder. And it goes on like that. And then I yeah. bring out a step ladder, yeah. and I basically go go up the ladder. <laughs> And then I get a bit lonely at the top when I come back down again. Yeah, that's for the people at home thinking that we don't know what this song's about. No, no, that hasn't made it necessarily any more enjoyable. What they'll do now is they'll stop the podcast at this point, go and look on YouTube and (laughs) watch the latter song, and and put it in. But that, but that song. I mean, the the beauty of that song though is that it's not uh, based on. It's a little. It's something a little bit different for you, I think, and it's that in that it's not. It's it's almost like um, a little philosophical. Yeah, it's not wordplay. It's not actual jokes. It's it's oddly philosophical. I don't know if you intended it to be that way, but it's oddly philosophical. <laughs> I've, got, I've got another one. This I mean, I've got a few that are oddly philosophical. Actually, mm. funnily enough, yeah. Well, I've got one which is called uh, "Little Piece of Carpet," and it's a, a song mm. with it with a little piece of carpet that doesn't sort of fit in anywhere. Yeah, and it gets stuck. And it it gets stuck in a box. 
Yeah, and then in the end, I sort of <laughs> accuse him of always being a victim or something. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really like those. I don't know why I don't those, but those are the those are the ones where you go. They're not. I you you. I don't know how you. What were you thinking? Like what? What made you? Well, if I knew, I mean, if I knew exactly how <laughs> how to come up with something that always works, and I would, <laughs> yes, you know, yeah, you know yeah. same with jokes, isn't it? I mean, I don't, I don't quite know what I. I do feel like that those sort of if you can get something a little bit catchy. I've got I've got one time in mind. I've got a new um, show that I'm doing, uh, which I did at Edinburgh this year, and I'm, I'm touring next year. And what's it called? And what the show, what's the show called? The show's called Breep. 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 B R E E E E P. It's just a noise. I don't know why I called it that. I'm slightly regretting it. There it is. Um, but the, but the, I am with a song which has actually got a really nice tune. It's called "These Are Some of My Things," and everyone sort—I get everyone singing along with it. Um, it. It's sort of—it's—it's it, a tiny bit falls. It, it, it's great to have everyone singing along, and that is—that's great. Yeah. I would like a couple of really whopping great laughs in there, but you know, kind of everything. <laughs> <laughs> Um, can, can I can I ask where where your musicality came from in the first place? Did you uh, did you play instruments growing up? Um, I know that you also yeah, well, play, this, play I, the guitar I, this as well. M, this MT40 Casio yep. I've had since the I bought this when I was sixteen years old, and um, wow. I, I realize re- this is not a visual um, um, podcast, but I've, yep. it's a uh, it's a lovely little Casio keyboard. The the but the on off button on it broke. And uh, so I got a friend to install one on the side there. What? Like thing, Whoa. Really. Custom. Yeah, so, so that keeps the whole thing alive. And I really wanted to be, and probably feel you had the same yeah. desire, wanted to be a pop star when I was younger. Sure, really. sure. So I was sort of... <laughs> sure. I still do, really. Well, I, so said- I wrote... I've said on on the podcast before that when I was a teenager, I was part of a Christian surf punk band called Upside Down. (laughs) Yeah, we do all songs about Jesus. He's knocking, he's knocking on the door to your heart. Um, I love that. So when you were, where are the CDs of that? No, I don't know. I would like to hear a recording of that just to hear how chintzy it was. So when you were a teenager, how old were you when you? It doesn't sound chintzy to me. It sounds right up my street. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, well, what we realized early on is you could have the word son in songs so like son of god but then also yeah. had a double entendre as the sun so the sun, it yeah, worked yeah, as yeah. a surf band so we, yeah, yeah, sun, great, sun, yeah. sun 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 <laughs> i'm gonna live with the sun <laughs> uh, so we could play it at church and also at the schools yeah, battle, battle of the bands so but but when you but so you when you got this casio how old were you got when you got the casio i got this when i was 16 and i, and I just i've just written loads and loads of songs. i mean I've, st- I've still got some cassettes with hundreds of songs on right i've literally got about you know probably well four or five hundred or something maybe and they're all main, and they're mainly songs that are you know she doesn't love me they're kind of whining lonely songs mm. but there's some nice little tunes in there in fact but i've got so many songs that now and again i'll hear a song by a band and i think oh, yeah, i did a tune very similar to that in 1983 <laughs> yeah right <laughs> I go back to the cassette and go, I remember Coldplay doing something and I thought, I remember doing a song that didn't, I thought maybe I should take them to court for yeah, coming I, up with something uh, 30 years after I wrote it. Stealing your, <laughs> stealing your PRS. Yeah. I, um, a, a few years ago, I found a, a selection of tapes that my parents had um, that had made. Uh, they used to be in bands and um, they, oh, were right, called, well. they were called Sprung Legs on Bass. Um, sprung legs on sprung base. legs on base. Very very strong. That was going to go far. Yeah, it was 
always get it. What decade would this have been that they did this? This would have been, what, the 70s? 70s, 70s, 80s, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, well, how old are your parents? They might be the same age as me, you see. Uh, They're they're 65. I'm 55. So they're they're 10 years older than you. 10 years older than me. Yeah, yeah. So maybe it's the sort of the the 70s. Yeah. Late 70s. So, so they had these, um, they, they had these cassette tapes, and um, once I'd found them while they were out, and I was playing them, and I was like, "This is this this is gold, absolute gold." <laughs> and uh, I played them, and they walked in, and they were like, "What is that horrible music?" I was like, "It's your band, <laughs> it's your band, <laughs> it's you." Yeah, it was horrendous. Have you ever thought of re redoing any of those? I mean, you know how as you get older, because I know I have. I look back mm. over stuff I wrote when I was a teenager, and some of it's just rubbish but you kind of become less critical because you think oh i was only just a kid have you ever thought of dying yeah. you ever thought of diving into to that back catalog and doing a show I about it a, i did a cd um maybe about 10 or 15 years ago under the name pretend pop star which i used um a mixture of some songs i'd written in the previous couple of years but also some some songs from yonks ago yeah, yeah. um and i've got I mean, I did. I, I sort of habitually used to go in and record these songs. I've got, I've got quite a few that are on CD. I could just, you know, compile another CD. Yeah. Um, I just haven't. Right. <laughs> okay. I've wondered okay. about. I mean, it's funny you say that thing about being slightly less critical about it. And I know what you mean. And particularly when you see that, if you see the, the thing as a whole, and you see this big clump of all these songs. Yeah. I mean, if you just take one out and say that, that I wrote this when I was fifteen, it sort of be it's incredibly embarrassing. But mm. but if you sort of have them as a whole, it's almost like the, the like uh, listening to the fall or something. Maybe you should have got to listen to all of it. Yeah, as John Peel said about the fall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. But also, if people are into if people enjoy, oh, I'm just going to I'm just going to turn that off. Hang on a minute. No worries. Just no wait worries. right there. No wait worries. Right there. Can you get that? Yeah. <laughs> Ah, Jobbins. I'm just in the middle. I've just. I've just oh, it's Andrew Jobbins. Hello, Andrew Jobbins. I'm actually doing in the middle of doing a podcast with Phil Nichols, uh, and he said, uh, "Hello, say hello to Jobbins." Hello, Andrew. Hello, Phil. Right, and, that, and I'll speak to you later. Right, cheers. Bye. Uh, cheerio. Bye. That's my. That was my tour manager ring up, but mm. Phil also knows him. So there we are. Yeah. So that could still be. That could be kept in as an exciting natural moment during a podcast. <laughs> yeah. We were t- we were talking about we were talking about that the that massive material. <clears throat> when you put it all together mm. and i was thinking like some someone who is a really avid tim vine fan or people that are curious about um any sometimes you can't get enough work out for people if they're really into what you do and putting mm. a little th- putting a little thing like that out it may not be like a a huge uh, it's just a thing for you to do and it's a curiosity yeah. it's a curiosity right and people yeah but, but well, so- i know i'm like also i know I, it's funny that that whole theory about putting everything out which is very in vogue now is to put everything out yes, yes. I mean, if you think about um if you think about bands like you know from the past that have celebrated like the beatles yeah there's no longer a case of holding anything back or we didn't release this or you know no. you get you know be some george michael song that wasn't released and yes. now it gets released you know yes and uh and in, in a lot of cases the, those things get released and you think well you can sort of see why it wasn't released yes yeah, yeah that's true so often you know you say well yes it's all right but it, you can kind of understand why he didn't choose to put it on an album or something like that 
Well, I think you think that about the whole thing. If I put out all my songs, from, <laughs> if I put out five hundred songs, you <laughs> understand why he didn't put those five hundred yeah, songs. But you, but you know, there's going to be some someone somewhere that's going to sift through all five hundred of them, set aside like a weekend and think I'm going to listen to every single song and maybe write know, a bit about it. And, and you know, and you'll meet them at a gig. They go, I heard, I listened to your album, Tim, and it's, I, I love songs. 375 it really you know spoke to me or whatever um and that, that that person would probably the same person that would have said they the beatles shouldn't have put everything out yeah um, <laughs> but, but they but there there is a, a a movement now in music i've noticed that people putting out voice memos because you know with modern technology and smartphones you can sing a little mm. ditty into your phone or if you're yes you're, I, mean, I do that on my ipad actually i do that with for ideas and things and i've got yeah. Uh, I, well, again, I've, I've thought about it for the completists, whoever this uh, yeah. nut is who you think <laughs> wants to hear everything. <laughs> it's me, actually. <laughs> but uh, I, I've occasionally, I've got a, a few sort of mini discs and things which have sort of half written songs on where I've gone verse, chorus, and then I've moved on to the next thing. And there's yeah. loads of just verse, yeah. chorus, and then, you know. Yeah. And, it's, and, and it's just nonsense. But I don't, I don't want to sort but, of... But I think, you have to believe, I, I think you have to believe in it. I think the, big, the main problem that mm. stops us from doing that thing is we don't want it to put out anything that's less than, that's less than perfect or funny because, because we don't want it to affect our, our brand or whatever or the way people, yeah, the way people, way people yeah. view us. But then you get, you get a band that's like something like Andy Partridge from XTC, you know, the, that Swindon mm. band XTC. They put out a, a retrospective of all of their demos um, it's a big, thick, uh, it's like a three or four CD at the deep of all their demos. And you've got demos of all their famous songs of how they came about and how different they are and completely different arrangements and different... Um, yeah, different but you've started, of... the starting point there is there's an interest in those. They're, they're, you're, you're working back from hits and you're working back from the Beatles and you're working back from, you know, you've, sure. you've made a bit of a leap there to talk about no. XTC no, with I... their hits and the demos. And, you know, so why not put your stuff out, Tim? Yeah, but that, no, but that, but that's the thing, Tim. Is I think you have to be, you have to start to realize that the people would want to hear what to, what made Tim Vine like tick in when he was. Well, I do. 16. I mean, listen, I do like the idea. I think of it's a great idea. Everything out of you know, producing. But I think that's isn't that the uh, isn't this the mantra? Are you are you? I'm I'm naturally a, a hoarder. I think I do, I, I, I buy yeah. anything, and I think to myself. You know, I, you know, perhaps I should save that for the Tim Vine Museum. Now, who's yeah. going to go to the Tim Vine Museum? <laughs> yeah. But <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. Well, how, this one fan who wants to hear your full back catalogue. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's going to be working there. He's, yeah, the, guy, he's, he's, the, he's with the, the guy that... T- I mean, I know for a fact that if, if I die before my brother... It'll, he'll, it'll be my brother and my sister's job to clear this house out. And right. My brother, being, being very goal orientated, will put everything in a skip in a day. Right. <laughs> uh, now, I was going to say, um, because, you know, I, I don't know how well known it is, but Jeremy Vine is, is your brother. And you must get yes. asked about it a fair bit. I don't want to go on about that. But uh, you but you guys had a. Oh, music- listen, I'll go on about it as you, much as I love you, my brother. I'm very proud of him. But you had a music project together. Yeah, well, so, we, we, in fact, we had a few. We, we, we again. Jeremy really was very hooked on the idea of being a pop star as well. We both were when we were younger. So we had various bands we were in. We did a big sort of. We had a Porter studio and we recorded an album under the name The Last Wave, and uh, and it was mainly me playing a, a, a keyboard and Jeremy singing over the top of it. I've still got. Well, if you've got, got that, those songs, oh, I mean, that, that would yeah. be gold. How this can, is what we need to hear. How can people not want to hear that? <laughs> I mean, I mean... Well, I mean, that is an extraordinary... I mean, to be honest with you, that really is an extraordinary piece of work. I'm not sure there's even any bass on it. It's like this sort of... this. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's the German singing on top of it. I shiver, whatever. Well, are we, can we get a track of that to play at some point? I'll, on try, our, I'll try. On, I've, got on, I've got it on cassette. I'm not sure how I transfer. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I, I, I would, I'll, I'll, I'll transfer it. I would love to have a, a little clip of that on, on our podcast. <laughs> that would be amazing. I'll, I'll, I'll do a little thirty-second clip. Of okay. But, uh, okay. I. Uh, yeah, and I'm sure I can get a thirty six. But then we were in a band called the Killer Sons, S O N S. Funnily enough, right. uh, you're talking about okay, sons, yeah. right? Right. Okay. So the Killer Sons. We were in a band called the Sharp Suits, and in that, someone else's band, Jeremy played the drums, and I played the keyboard. And there was a, um, a guitarist called uh, John Hillman who was the singer in that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were in the Flair Generation, which was a kind of jokey thing. We're trying to bring flares back, and that was me, Jeremy, <laughs> and uh, another friend of our Simon Williams. So we used to. Uh, we used to be, you know, as as everyone was, you know, in, in bands when they were younger. Can you, can, yeah. Give me some of the names of the bands you're in, Phil. Then. Oh well, well, Corky and the Juice Pigs being the most famous one, but of course, uh, yeah, Muscle. Yeah. I was in a band called Muscle. I'm still in a band called Muscle, which is like a hard rock band. You're still uh, in that uh, band, yeah. Ups, Are you? Upside down, yeah, yeah, yeah. Upside down. We, uh, your your friendly neighbors, Will and Dale. Uh, I had like a comedy, not like a, a country music duo with songs that are like um, "You Got to Bite the Silver Bullet to Survive." You know, just like we just, uh, you know, I'm coming about, I'm out, I'm coming out, I'm coming out across the desert. Like we never left Toronto. Uh, <laughs> we, we we only had we had uh, Julius Caesar. Um, which, oh, like which, yeah, which we went went against quite quickly. We then became the George Winston Memorial Band featuring George Winston. Uh, he was the sax player. That, yeah, do, you know, I you, think, you know, did you ever think at school where you used to you used to come up with you'd be with some pals and you think you want to be in a band and you'd come up with the name of the band and then nothing happened. Oh, yeah. So you had <laughs> yeah. a band. So I was in a band called The Eggs. We yeah. didn't even do any songs, nothing. We just decided we we're going to be in a band called The yeah. Eggs. Yeah. I was in another one called the Electric Silage Machine, and again we never did a single song. We just got together and decided this is what it's going to be. Yeah, that's how that's how Muscle actually came about. As I, I did at the very end of uh, Time Out, while it was still being printed in red, um, Ma- Malcolm uh, asked me what I was up to and I made up a lot I said I'm doing a, a couple of uh, volumes of poetry uh, I'm in a hard rock band called Muscle and he printed and he I did I was just joking and he printed it all and so I thought well, I've got an album coming out next year so I, I thought oh god I've got to now I've got to make this band Muscle so, <laughs> I, thought, so I got a, I got a bunch of people together and, and wrote an album called Muscle and did and recorded it. it's never been released it just sits wow. there your back catalogue well, again back catalog. it should all be out yeah, there no. yeah well it's, i'll tell you I, another thing actually one of the most exciting things that happened to me recently in in my um uh, sort of musical uh, efforts was um i my brother bumped into in a as you do mark e smith from the fall in yeah. a, um, a uh, hotel or something and said to him i think you're great and, da, da, da. and then when he was because uh, we me and my brother big fans of the fall and uh, Marky Smith, as my brother's walking away, said something along the lines of, oh, I really like to tell your brother I like his stuff or something like that. And it's just like, you know, what? You yeah, know? Right. I, was, I was thrilled by this, the fact that he watched some of these, some of my stuff and liked it. So we then went and watched them at the um, 100 Club. And I said, my brother had to go. And I said to the Falls manager, can I go and can I meet the band? Can I meet Marky? She said, yeah. So I went into the dressing room. And uh, and I just spent two hours just sitting with the Falls, chatting away and wow. drinking beer and stuff. And because I'm... A, a rubbish drinker. I got a little bit drunk and then <laughs> said to Mark Keith Smith, I'd, I'd like to work with you. And, uh, and he goes, uh, oh, yeah. you know, and I said, to, actually, I've got a song idea called uh, Baseball Security Guard. Right? And I said, 
I said, I've uh, I've got as far as this, but he goes, baseball security guard sees a lot of games for free. I said, that's all I've got. <laughs> He's going, baseball security guard. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I, after after having met them, I, I, I thought to myself, uh, um, I thought, well, maybe I should, you know, if you don't ask, you don't get something. So I actually recorded a track which was which was all left blank for Marky Smith to do bits on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And yeah. then every now and again, I'd go, baseball security guard sees a lot of games for free like that. <laughs> I sent it to them, and uh, um, and I got back saying, uh, oh, we love your track, right? And I'm thinking, oh, yeah, Mikey, wow. this is exciting, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and But unfortunately, going parallel to this, Marky Smith was getting iller and iller. This was sort of... You know the, the last uh, couple of years of life, the last much was then, and um, the, and he sort of he said a few. I got a couple of messages from him via his manager in the email, saying that he liked it. And the, the most the, the story peaks where he yeah. said something like, "I've written four lyrics for our song." Is what this was the phrase he said, and I never found out what those lyrics oh, were. I never no. nothing because unfortunately he died, and then of course he's was someone who was writing loads of stuff all the time. And his manager, who was also his, his partner, didn't know where these lyrics were, and I didn't want to sort of push for that. But I mean, so it's very nearly wow. a sort of peak moment. So, that- so one of the things I was going to say that I've got is I, I ended up doing a, a Marky Smith impression for the verse bits. So I, <laughs> I so I finished the song. Oh, so did you? It's, sort of, it's me going. <laughs> And then every now and again, baseball security guards. (laughs) And where can we hear baseball security guard? That well, I've got that. I can send you because I've got that. Got to get that out. That's amazing. We'd love to hear that. Marky Smith. My marketing impression, yeah. yeah. So I very nearly wrote a song. Yes, well, maybe right. I did. But it you felt like it did. Kind of, it felt like it was possibly going to be. You never know. There, are, there are lyrics out there floating around with your name on them, with with baseball security guard. He's the thing. Well, I, I, the thing well, I love I about that story know. is he's he's actually sat down. He's been somewhere and he's sat down and gone right. Let's get that Tim Vine song out. And he's sat. And I he's don't listened know to what it. I think, he's I, listened I think to maybe it. he was someone who scribbles notes everywhere. You know, it, yeah. It's sort of like, and it probably has a notebook or something. And probably he listened to the thing, and uh, and he might have just. Scribbled. I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. want to make it any bigger. Than, I make it sounds like a big thing. No, I love it. I, I, I love so, it. I've I, never told anyone that because I always feel like it sounds a bit like I'm suggesting that. Uh, I was in a writing partnership with Mark. <laughs> no, 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 no,
and he... Ah, uh, right. I thought for a minute he meant the bloke who shot John Lennon. Thank goodness for that. No, no, that's no, Mark no. Chapman. That's, that's yeah, Mark yeah, Chapman, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, um, but Mike, Mike's written hit after hit after hit, but what he does is he does write everything on Post-its. So we right. could we could be writing something together and they go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I wrote that down the other day. I wrote that down the other day. And I'm like, okay, so so where is this? And we yeah. go around looking at these cupboards. <laughs> Found it! It's that one. I've got it. So it could be that somewhere dotted around um, his house... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know. it, it sounded like he, he was, it, there were just sort of lyrics everywhere, you know. I mean, it was clearly, one of the things I loved about Marcus Pick, which, and I love about any performers, actually, is that thing that he doesn't seem to, he, he's doing what, he, he's not trying to please the audience, he's sort of, no. he's really just doing, I mean, I, I, there's a song of his called U-Boat, which lasts about seven minutes, and yeah. it's always, and every now and again he goes, U-Boat, like that. <laughs> There's not much else happens. This is great there's no, there's no, literally no desire at all to to, uh, to try and please anyone. And as no. a result, that everyone, you know. He's, the people who loved him loved him all the more for that, you know. Absolutely, I was. It's like reminds he's from that generation um, that uh, reminds me of Jerry Sadovitz, and and I did a I did a warm up for Jerry's TV show, Jerry a Trick Show, and mm. I didn't really know Jerry that well, but he was very kind to me. He's a very kind man. Uh, if you're not on the end of his vitriol, he used to come up to me before <laughs> about just before I was about to go on. I'd be back backstage. I'd be nervous. He'd put his hand on my shoulder and he'd say, "Remember, Phil, if they're laughing, loathe them." for it (laughs) 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 I was like I do every day I go what does he mean and then it just slowly dawned on me I think what he meant was the same as Marky Smith is you just can't care about them all that much you just have to you have to do what makes you if they're laughing uh, it's it's, it's an act and they shouldn't be laughing it's very hard to be like that because I'm naturally a people pleaser me too you know yeah I mean you hear about people like David Bowie being very much you know trying to just constantly you know change never do the same thing so he wasn't really that sort of not wanting to please people thing yeah it's very hard if you do something that someone likes not to want to do the same sort of thing again isn't it yeah (laughs) absolutely and and well that's what we do as performers as comedy performers is we're Mm. we're desperate you have to get the laugh because it's going to be part of the you know, and not that Jerry Sadovich didn't get laughs. It's just that you just, I, every time they were laughing at him, I was just thinking in his mind, he's thinking, <laughs> these people. <laughs> um, he, was, he was always kind to me as well, actually. Funny. At the times I met, I met him, I was thought he was very, very nice to me. You always worry, what's he, what's he saying about, you know, when he's not in front of me? You know? No, I, I don't think he was like that. In fact, I think one of the things um, that is that he's an artist friendly person and that he probably never disparaged mm. artists. He, he was always yeah. against the producers and the, the landlords and the the people that were, that he would have, uh, not my term, but his term would have been that would have been leeching or parasitic to what we do mm. as performers because I think when, uh, his respect went to anyone. As a magician as well, he, he loved yeah. watching other magicians and he was a, a mentor for many people so um you know i think his just his attitude was that kind of punk attitude that uh Mm. from that from the era he's from that era isn't he but you you came you came a little bit afterwards so your career started in the 90s um mine Mm. started a little bit earlier than yours but we just caught the back end of what really was more of a punk rock scene of of comedy when like the the tunnel club yeah well well, when when i joined it in the 90s it was still called the alternative circuit and uh Mm. and it and in many ways, it sort of, it, it, probably, it probably wasn't all that alternative. I don't know, maybe it was alternative still. I mean, now you look at it and, and um, you know, everyone who was on that alternative circuit is now sort of, what, 
is the mainstream. I mean, it's hard yeah. to say what mainstream and alternative means anymore, isn't it? Because no. anything, everything is out there, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's I mean, what, it's, it's what you it, like. It, 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 it kind of came out of that sort of like the, the, the fall uh, being one of those bands. I'm trying to think of um, John Cooper Clark and all of the, uh, the yeah. sort of the, 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 the po- when poetry and comedy were actually presented at the same. Well, I guess no- John Cooper night. Clark was much earlier on. Wasn't he? he really was the same sort of time as punk, wasn't he? He was yeah. seen as like the, almost the first, the first uh, sort of crossover into. It was almost like the first stand-up comedy, wasn't it? Yeah, of that kind of alternative type. But he's now he's now massively at the forefront again. He's like he's gone all yeah, the way round, and now he's I mean he's just he's phenomenal. Um, he's he's a uh, I'd like to talk about influences. Actually, I was just thinking yeah, um, lyrically, John Cooper Clark is one of my one of my favorite favorite lyricists. Um, but yeah. uh, have you got any um, uh, musical comedy influences, um, or did you used to listen to anybody that you really really liked? Um... Well, I, one of the things that when I was, the first hour that I did in Edinburgh, where I had all these sort of little musical bits and bobs, um, I mean, I, I saw, in 92, I went and saw, uh, it was sort of a epiphanal moment, actually, in a way, in my little world, when I went and saw Harry Hill's show, which was called Eggs, in, um, <laughs> I think, I think 92, I think it was 92, Um and I remember sitting, we sort of, a few comics had kind of been allowed to go and take our seats before the audience came in. And I sat there and, and Harry was on the stage, with, where I remember he was wearing a white shirt and he had those little sort of, those metal things that are halfway up, they kind of mm-hmm. hold it. And he was sort of directing people where to put the props and things. And it was like this, and these crazy props and stuff. And he was like, he was king of this mad little world, even before the audience had come in. So I put that there and did it. And I thought, so I sat there thinking, God, that's what I'm going to do is that, you know. And, this, and the show... He, he had quite a few of those things where you sing a little... I remember he had this thing uh, called Probably Not. We'd go, probably not. <laughs> and then he'd go, uh, mm. does the Queen have, I don't know, three eggs and a handbag? <laughs> yeah. Uh, exactly. And then he goes, probably, probably not. not. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so it would be sort of... You'd have the little sort of, I guess, like a sting type, jingle type thing, you know. Yeah. Then you'd have the little item and then the jingle to close it. Yes. Know? And I think that's kind of the first time I'd seen that kind of just that for, that form and i use that an enormous amount in the, <laughs> i have done many many times <laughs> yeah. in since you know where you sing something you do something and you sing to close it kind of yeah I mean, i'm not saying how he came up with that but i'm just saying that, that was a kind of you know i like that sort of silliness you know it's a lovely it's a lovely way of uh working getting non sequiturs to work when you've got that kind of catch that catchphrase Thing. I'm trying to think yeah. of, trying to think of some things that the juice pigs would do because we, we we had sort of uh, on running gags that would take would have that kind of just a yeah. non sequitur you know we'd have like uh, um, oh, I can't even think now um, pukey Pete what did pukey Pete do <laughs> anyway we we, we, we we had a puppet that vomited all the time so it just vomited onto like there's someone be standing at the side of the puppet thing going hi pukey Pete he just get vomited on like and wiping vomit from me. like okay pukey Pete. <laughs> You know, anyway, um, that's... <laughs> well, I've got, a few, I've got a few of those songs that are sort of just like a, like you say, slightly non-sector type thing. So I do one where I where I go, uh, um, and there's a little bit of music comes in, <laughs> um, and I go, uh, I don't have vinegar much. I only ever have it on chips. Sometimes I have chips without vinegar, but then again, what does it matter? And I go, so... <laughs> and you just move on. Those sorts of things, where, where it feels like it feels like something's going somewhere. And it's not getting, yeah. and it just stops. You know? Yeah, so it's a love. It's a great uh, method of getting just pulling the rug out, though, because yeah. when you when you are performing an hour, 
And I think this, this is true. Gary Delaney, I've had this conversation with Gary uh, and Milton, is that it is hard. You, your hit rate for one for one liners to keep to generate once to even do twenty minutes is exceptional. And mm. then to find a way of uh, find a way of generating it to into a full into a full hour and the things you have to do to uh, the, the ways you have to to uh, split it all up or, or mix yeah. it all up um, and musical <laughs> doing little bits of stings and music is a great way of doing that. How, how, how many jokes are in are in an hour? Like, do, well, do you probably know? not as many as you probably not as many as you would think now because I do like I said I do. I do some some one-liners and then I'll do a little song and I'll pick up some props and things. I I mean it's I can't believe I'm getting more laughs because I mean if you have someone who's doing an observational thing they they may say well that's one thing but then there'll be like a laughs all the way along the yeah the way so it's just that I'm having to do something new each time that comes in but it's probably the same number of laughs. I don't know how many jokes. I don't know. I'm not sure. I haven't counted. Well, I guess when I guess okay. when you guess what you because I mean you 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 speak quite quickly, but I think if you're watching, I'm trying to think of just who uh, uh, um, Alan Davis or someone who's doing sort of observational mm. comedy. Um, it, he, the but reason, Alan's not. Well, you wouldn't say Alan was speaking slowly, though. Not you? really. Not really. Uh, but almost. But I, what I mean is, it's like every line or Stuart Lee. Every line is designed to get a laugh anyway. Even, exactly. Even some exactly. of the yeah, even yeah. some of the setups are funny. Uh, and sometimes yeah. you'll do a setup like like Harry does. You do a setup, and then there'll be five jokes off the back of it. Bang, bang, yeah, bang, yeah. bang, bang. And what? Well, what Harry always did, which astounded me, was he, he would then do callbacks to jokes, and then he'd do callbacks to the jokes that he'd done. So there'd be like three callbacks in a row. But you knew what mm. the you know what the callbacks you know what the, the original punchlines were. And it was so far away. It, it, it was worked, so far yeah. away, and it was so surreal. It was like yeah. it was non sequitur if, if you took them out of context. But you know what the mm. jokes are. And it's just that I've yeah. never seen anyone do anything like that. And I've, I've used that. No, I agree. Well, he used to do that thing, didn't he, where he'd say that there no, um, no services on the M40. Either. He'd do it in his Harry Hill voice. Yeah, yeah. And then he'd, that, then he kind of would do, he'd, just, he'd say that something funny about that. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> uh, then he'd kind of go on for maybe, you know, seven or eight minutes. Yeah. And then he'd just, just say something like, I mean, you'd think there'd be somewhere to stop. Really. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> and then he'd go, and, yeah. and you somehow your brain does the leap that attaches it. And that was the, Part of the joy it gave the audience was knowing that he was referring back to that. Yeah, yeah, and it's something that people... It's almost like a game catching them all. Um, yeah. And I remember the first but time... Well, when you mentioned about Alan Davis, I was going to... Because when, when I was on the circuit, I, I used to love watching Alan Davis. Mm, I just yeah. thought it was... I just thought what he did was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it, to me, it was... Because it, so, it was so different to what I was doing. Yeah. I, I don't think I really ever really quite understood how he was doing it he just used to start he used to start as well in, in a way that it's like he had complete control over the build as well so he mm. sort of start and say and he just gradually this thing would go into a massive crescendo mm. and it was just like you say a little phrase just sentence phrase da, 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 da. it's just beautiful to watch yeah and it, it was like song. it's like song in itself it's the timing yeah. of it the timing of it and it and and it wasn't like one you know a, a, it's easy to write like a get a premise write a couple of jokes about it but what he would do is he'd get a premise and he would just ring it he would rinse it mm. so but it'd be like a five minute long thing that all tied mm. together with something else i thought jeff green at his best was like was a bit like that as well the sort of that observational thing of you getting you're talking about something and then you just get to a point where you're where you're just saying a, a, like a little sentence a little sentence and he's getting bombs each time you yeah. know 
Yeah, that's right. And it would be and it would be something about it would start with something. I'm trying to think of when Jeff's Jeff's routines just about how your mom would just put another blanket on or something. It would be something mm, yeah, it would be yeah. something really quite gen generically observational. But he would just mm. they would just ring they would ring it out and um mm. yeah. It's a, a, a anyway, I don't know where that was going to be honest, but um well, you I, you play you're a multi-instrumentalist though. You do play lots of instruments. Well, <laughs> that that I've never described myself as a multi-instrumentalist. I mean, I can I can vamp on the piano a bit, right. and and I, I joke that I play uh, my drumming skills is uh, one rhythm, thirty different speeds. All right, okay. I, I can and, do that uh, on the drums as well. Yeah, that, that's my standard. Yeah, <laughs> that one rhythm can get you through. Uh, talking of churchy things, that'll get you through a lot of services. Yeah, you can play, uh, you can play pretty much any church song with that with that one rhythm. Yeah, you you perform with uh, with a guy called John Archer. Yes, I do. Uh, yeah, and yeah, he's yeah. a magician. Yeah. I, well, I, I know John. Uh, but he's, yeah, yeah, he's, comedy he's, magician. Yeah. yeah does See, he, when we tour, he normally tours with me, yes. Yeah, and does he play drums as well? Some, some, no, some, I tell you, some, he some, is a fantastic... Because I've been doing my um, Elvis tribute thing called Classic Elvis. Yeah. And he does the support as Big Buddy Holly. And he plays a, a uke. But... Um, but he's absolutely <laughs> brilliant. So he's playing all the. It's sort of. It's one of those ukes that looks like a, it's a guitar. Yeah, one of those yeah. old electric guitars. Yeah, yeah. and he gets. Actually, honestly, the sound he gets off it. It could be. I don't know what the sound. It looks. It sounds like a kind of Scotty Moore type sound he gets off it. It's brilliant. Mm. And he's got. He plays with a, a backing band known as Big Buddy Holly and the Croquettes. And uh, <laughs> they have a. Um, they have a drummer with a little cocktail kit and a double bass player, and it's a. It's a fantastic sound. Yeah, right. Brilliant. Right. And, yeah. and, and and what is that? What is he really can. I mean, I, I'm a strummer on the guitar. He can play. He's very good. Right. That's what I thought. I thought that about it. I, I just, I don't know where I heard that. I don't never think I've ever seen John play, but I just knew that he was, uh, that he had done a, a bit of music. But does he, does he back the plastic Elvis when you play? Does, or, do, or do you play the No, he does, the, he does a, a separate bit in the first half where he comes on and does uh, Big Buddy Holly. So he sings Buddy Holly songs just on the uke. Um, I mean, I would get the band, but then it's an extra expense to bring two other people in. Um, and then we also <laughs> okay. have, then we also have in the Plastic Album Show, we have a guy called David Martin, who is a songwriter who is, um, well, he's eighty years old now, and he's amazing. He wrote, he wrote "Can't Smile Without You" for Barry Manilow and various things for people in the past, Dusty Springfield and Cliff Richard. Wow. But the main thing was that he wrote four songs for the Real Elvis. So, so I bring him on. He, he does a bit in the first half as well, and right. in the second half of the Plastic Elvis thing. I bring him on and we do a duet of this of one of the songs he wrote for Elvis. Which so was? It was um, Let's Be Friends. Okay. Oh, wow. Don't be afraid. You and I were made the same little one. That's a lovely song. Wow. Um, so, so your your plastic Elvis, is it? Yes. Is it, is it straight? Is it? I've... Well, do you know what? I, I, when, I, when I do it, we're going to have a fantastic five-piece band who are just absolutely amazing. Um, and but it is funny it's i sort of i am sort of i'm humorous in between songs but i'm always in character as elvis the whole time so right. I'm, it's not that i do any one-liners it's always just fantastic in fact the nearest i get to doing a one-liner is i i do a bit where i go well 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 and then I go, uh, I'm singing well tonight. And then the the audience all laughs at that. And, I go, and then I go, oh, I'm sorry, I'll leave the comedy to the professionals. Really, I, really, I don't want to get involved in all that. But um, but yeah, so the, uh, uh, but we don't publicise it as, I mean, we're not doing it anymore at the moment, but, but when we did it as a tour, we didn't call it a comedy show because I didn't want people coming along expecting one-liners. 
and right. then you okay. know so we tried to right. put everywhere this is not a stand-up comedy show <laughs> right I mean, this is not right. a comedy show yeah but where in actual fact it is people sometimes we did a, a, a fundraiser show last night of it at uh, Sutton United and um and a few people said oh, I thought you said it wasn't a comedy show because that was there was some very fun. I said, well, I like to say it's not a comedy show, so people don't come along thinking it's going to be one liners. Right, but, but surely, surely then some people might say might come along thinking it is a comedy show and thinking that the that even though it says this is not a comedy show, that's part of it uh, as well. Yeah. It well, being. that's the danger. Yeah, no, yeah, but yeah. I think we. <laughs> MB, this is this is not a comedy show. I think that they. Uh, I mean, I know what you mean. I'm dressed up in a you know, a black plastic suit. So I agree. It does look a bit ridiculous. Yeah, but you sound, you sound, like... you sound great when you do it. Um, yeah, it's, it's wigs really in there. Wigs in there. Oh, uh, no. Tim is currently showing us a large box. How, how, did, how, how did plastic Elvis come about? Like what, how, what, how was there, what was the genesis uh, of it? <laughs> oh, wow. Sorry, just showing them, just showing them the wig. <laughs> um, the uh, plastic Elvis came about because there was this singer called uh, Elvis Presley. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, I've got a funny story. There's a famous Canadian comedian called Eric Tunney. He's uh, since passed away, and he's got yeah. he had a routine because Elvis Presley uh, in one of Elvis Presley's uh, um, uh, monologues, he goes, um, "Oh, some someone uh, how's it go? Um, so, some somebody once said." All the world's a stage. Somebody, Elvis? Somebody said all the world's a stage. <laughs> <laughs> Only Elvis could get away with it. Somebody once said all the world's a stage. Um, that's very funny. Well, funny enough, I did, I did that song. That's how you learned some tonight, isn't it? Yeah, I did, that's uh, right, yeah. I, I said, well, last, last night I said, I don't know what it says, but I said, uh, you know, someone once said all the world's a stage. <laughs> the guy was an idiot. <laughs> Yeah, there, there used to be. You might remember this down. I think it was in Clapham, uh, back before it was all zhuzhied up. There was a two. There's two restaurants back to back. One of the restaurants. No, had in Streatham. Streatham. They had Chinese, and one had a Chinese Elvis impersonator, and then that yeah. was packing out. It was like was it an Italian restaurant? I can't remember. You might remember. And yeah, then right, I, and, I don't and then, remember. I don't. I know they were next door. Right to next door to each other. Yes, yes. So you couldn't get into one. You could go like dueling. Like the one guy was supposed to be amazing, and then the, the next the restaurant next door thought that's amazing. We got to get our own Elvis. That, that's, that's like what happens if you can't go in. If you can't go in and see the the good Santa, you go you go next door down next to Hamleys. I once was I was to University of Windsor, and there was a uh, one of the artists that the Windsor did a thing called Elvis, where he was Elvis with a mustache, and he and it was an art. It was a, a fine art thing where he would go to Elvis ex, um, um, conferences all over the U.S. and get his picture taken mm. with this Elvis mustache. He was Elvis, and it was just the just dumb. Thing, but but watching the video, so it was vi- photographic video, um, sound bites. It was like in a in a gallery type setting. But the the number of people that impersonate Elvis, little kids, um, old mm. old uh, black grandmothers, uh, uh, truckers, uh, whole families. Yes. I mean, it's yeah. outrageous the amount of people that are. No, I know. Well, I, I yeah, it's it's not an original pick to, to decide to do a Elvis <laughs> no, no, tribute. No, no. I, I confess. <laughs> no, no, but that's but what I, mean, that's, I thought I'd that would like be. Part- think the comedy angles are slightly, but. I mean, you are a fan of who you're a fan of, aren't you? I guess. You of know, course. I love him, so. yeah, yeah, you love him, and, it's, and that's all. I mean, I wasn't. I wasn't saying that like, it, that it wasn't. That's not a. No, no. I was. Ha- it, I was having a something... go at myself. Actually, you reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you can always do Lelvis. Um, <laughs> well, when actually when Archer did John Archer did a whole night of the Big Buddy Holly thing, and I said, well, I said, well, why don't I do? Because he was doing the sort of second half. Yeah. I said, can I come and do? Because uh, I was really getting into the idea of doing tribute acts. 
I said, I'll do my Jim Reeves tribute act, Tim yeah. Reeves. Yeah, right. So, uh, so I went along um, and I did, I sang to backing tracks, you know. <laughs> he'll, have to, he'll have to go and, you know. <laughs> gods were angry <laughs> with me for loving you. <laughs> the gods were angry with me because they knew I stood at heaven's portal and that was too high. For any mortal such as I. He still sing with his mouth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't make any difference to the sound. You just think it doesn't make well, it's all like, <laughs> sort of like that. Tim, I'd love to ask you about one of my favourite song of yours, um, yes, which well. is uh, which is the importance of rehearsal. Ah, right. Um, yeah. It is possibly the most <laughs> accurate depiction of so many gigs that I have been to, and also I used to do a gig which um, the people people would throw out requests. I was quite young, and I didn't really really know what the songs were, so it was it sounded very much like me. Could you explain the song, please? <laughs> well, yeah, the, the song is I just start singing the the importance of rehearsal, and then I sort of go. Uh, well, I sort of, I, mean, I, George, I honestly don't know exactly how it went. Yeah. The, the, the video of it is on YouTube. I was slightly <laughs> making up as I went along. The importance of rehearsal is is not. Hang on, is not <laughs> it's, uh, the important. The important. The the the. the uh, not, you know, it's all like that. It's yeah. sort, of, sort of dismantled as it goes along. But I find, it's interesting because the uh, the version that's on on my the dvd that was on at the time yeah. um it just i just seemed to cho cho i don't know whether i had chosen exactly what the chords were they just seemed to be the right course i've since, yeah. since tried to find them again oh it's <laughs> weirdly it's i'm now trying to rehearse the importance of rehearsal <laughs> <laughs> i i can i can play it so if you want me to i i, I will send you oh, the right, i'll send you the chords that you played oh, yeah, if you'd yeah, like me to well, what was <laughs> what, what was the thing you used to do uh uh, what's the, is it Peter Falk? The um, <clears throat> you do like you you break down you do the you do the impression you do this you film it in your house but then you do you yeah, film do, it again. what what was that called again? I uh, know recreating Columbo. Recreating Columbo. It was a lockdown um, sort of uh, thing really. <laughs> Uh, in fact, well, like most things I do, it was just really for me. Yeah, but it was ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> no, it was brilliant though, because it's ridiculous. Uh, and, and then the re I did the twenty. Re yeah, I, mean, I was recreating little scenes from Columbo. Yeah, and I re recreate sort of, you know, maybe a minute or two because right. to get it on Twitter it had to be not too long. I think so. So, and I play all the parts. Yeah. But I, I, uh, yeah, I did from twenty different episodes of Columbo. Actually, I do a little bit, and um, and then I've I've sort of stopped now. But I'm aware of the sort of person I am, and I've discovered, having looked into it, that there were in total 65 episodes of Columbo. Right. And knowing what I'm like, if I were to do, say, another 10 recreating yeah. Columbo's and yeah. got anywhere near halfway, I think I might push through. Yeah, do, do, all, do you have to finish them? The yeah, yeah. <laughs> then and, and then never release them so no one can ever see them. <laughs> yeah, <That's>, exactly, yeah. <laughs> put them with all the stuff that you've got. <laughs> and when your brother goes to clear the house, you'll think they'll all, they'll find it and it'll be remembered forever. But you'll just turf it in the skip. No, so. straight in the skip. Yeah. <laughs> skip. No, listen. Um, it's been so much fun talking to you. At the end of our each interview, we ask our guests yes. to to sing a little number or do something funny. And wondering if you were prepared to uh, give us a hit us well, with a little I, track i have a little casio keyboard here with me and i okay. I, I will do um, this isn't sort of uh, this isn't going to show off my keyboard skills let's put it that way <laughs> okay. okay i'll do i'll do a bit of uh, song of what called family holidays okay oh hang on 
Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'll see that. <laughs> oh, hey, that's another one. That's, that's uh, which one is that one? Oh. Well, I've got this one. My mother speaks like this. <laughs> My father speaks like this. <laughs> so I speak like this. <laughs> Which can be rather embarrassing. <laughs> but that was what I was going to do. Was, uh, was uh, yeah. <laughs> family holidays used to be so funny. When I remember them, it always makes me laugh. Ha 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 always makes me laugh. Like the time when we spent a fortnight in France, my dad bought a beret and he wore it all the time. Ha 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 always makes me laugh. Like the time when we ordered drinks by the pool and when they arrived, they were completely the wrong. Always makes me laugh. Like the time my uncle fell asleep on the beach. He didn't wake up till the time was round his waist. We threw him a rope, but it was out of his reach. The current swept him out, and we never saw him again. Always makes me laugh. That's great. Tim Vine. Thank you so, so much, much for joining Tim. us on Songs in the Key of Laugh. That was absolutely wonderful. Thanks for taking some time out to talk Thank to us. Thank you for having me. Thank uh, you. Thanks, Tim. Goodbye, adios, farewell. You'll be glad to hear that we think that your interview went well. But we have other things to get on with now, so you're going to have to go. I'm sure our paths will cross again, but whoever really knows. It's been fun, it's been musical, it's been comical at times. But now we have to leave you, so goodbye. Goodbye. Well, that was so much fun. Honestly, I love him. He's they say, so, so nice. They say don't meet your heroes, but we did, and he is great. Um, that was Tim Vine, everybody. Well, that brings us to the end of Songs in the Key of Laugh, episode five. Um, David? I know, and, and we had so we had so much fun. We did. And actually, we're, I think we're going to do another episode covering more songs in cartoons. There are so many. Like Honestly, when, when we had that conversation, we found that there were so, so many songs that we wanted to cover, and we've, we've barely scratched the surface. Yeah, so, so there might be yeah. another episode or Maybe another two. two episodes. You never know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If you'd like to see more or hear more from Tim Vine, why not visit Tim at his website, timvine.com. Check out all his dates for his tour next year or visit him on Twitter at RealTimVine. And if you'd like to support our podcast, please go to patreon.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh. There'll be some bonus content up there and you can get each of these episodes a week early. Or buy David and I a coffee at coffee.com forward slash songs in the key of laugh. Keep getting your song submission sent in to songs in the key of laugh at gmail and we'll see you next week. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.